This is Outcasting Overtime, a special feature from Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program. Outcasting is heard online at outcastingmedia.org, on iTunes, and on more than 50 public radio stations affiliated with the Pacifica Radio Network. Hi, I'm Max, a youth participant in Outcasting's main studio in Westchester County, New York. On this edition, Brianna revisits the topic of the massacre at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida on June 12, 2016, and discusses events that have affected the LGBTQ community in the year that has passed. A little over a year ago, the largest shooting on American soil took place in Orlando, Florida. On June 12, 2016, between the hours of 2 and 5 a.m., 49 people died and 58 were injured during an attack at Pulse, a gay nightclub. The LGBTQ community was in shock, and the media ran the story for days, focusing on possible connections between the shooter and terrorist organizations. I wrote a piece last year that shared my feelings surrounding what happened at Pulse and how the mainstream media portrayed it. It's been a turbulent 14 months, so I think it's beneficial to look at what's changed in our community, what might change in the future, and how those changes affect us. Not much has changed in how mainstream media treats the attack on Pulse except that there isn't much of it anymore. The only memorials for Pulse victims I have seen have come from the LGBTQ community. There is nothing I have seen in mainstream media that has addressed the anniversary of that night. The media coverage on this attack was short and filled with talk of ISIS-fueled terrorism, with only a few placing emphasis on the LGBTQ aspect of the shooting. These circumstances remind me of the upstairs lounge fire, which, until the Pulse Massacre, had been the most deadly anti-LGBTQ attack in American history. The fire at the Upstairs Lounge, located in New Orleans, Louisiana, killed 32 people in 1973 and received national news coverage for only three days. And once the media found out that it had been a gay bar, the coverage took on a horrendously derogatory tone. While coverage of the Pulse Massacre hasn't been as directly homophobic as the coverage for the Upstairs Lounge, Mainstream media has largely omitted that it was a gay nightclub and that homophobia was almost certainly the shooter's motivation. In addition to the horrifying Pulse shooting, there have been a lot of upsetting changes in the past year. For me, the largest and most worrying change that occurred in the past year was our change in administration. I refer, of course, to the 2016 presidential election. It was hands down the most divisive, confusing, and stressful election we've had, at least in my memory. From rumors of Russian interference to a now-victorious candidate with a habit of contradicting not only everything he's ever said, but everything his aides and surrogates have said, the election alone was exhausting. For the longest time, it was impossible to tell exactly what President Trump's position on LGBTQ issues was, but his opinions were made clear in a series of tweets on July 26th. Claiming to have consulted with military leaders, President Trump announced that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. Trump stated that the military could not be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgenders in the military would entail. On the campaign trail, Trump proudly declared that he would be protecting the rights of LGBTQ citizens, but this seems to be another campaign promise he's forgotten. The decision to ban transgender people from the military doesn't make sense if you use medical costs to justify it, as Trump did. According to the RAND Corporation's research, transition-related medical procedures raise defense health costs by roughly 0.04 to 0.13 percent. 
That amount is so small that it's laughable the president is so concerned about it, especially when you consider that the military spends about 10 times as much money on medication for erectile dysfunction, according to PolitiFact. And if Trump were really so concerned about taxpayers' money and how it is used, he wouldn't take any more trips down to Mar-a-Lago, which have already cost taxpayers millions of dollars, according to multiple sources. While he continues his attempts to undo everything put in place during Barack Obama's time as president, President Trump has cemented his stance against the transgender community. In doing so, he has made clear his opinion of the LGB part of the community as well. In addition to the announcement that transgender service members could soon be fired, the Trump administration has recently been taking an even more anti-LGBTQ tone. The Department of Justice, under the leadership of Attorney General Jeff Sessions, has argued that sexual orientation discrimination is not covered by the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Despite the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission's published position, The Department of Justice does not believe that discrimination based on sexual orientation is sex discrimination. President Trump has also recently appointed Sam Brownback to be Ambassador of Religious Freedom, a position responsible for promoting religious freedom as an element of U.S. foreign policy. Sam Brownback has been historically anti-LGBTQ, opposing same-sex marriage and signing state legislation to exclude LGBTQ university students while he was governor of Kansas. He uses religion as a conduit to encourage traditional marriage between a man and woman, a view that seems out of place for someone who is meant to be promoting freedom of religion. Meanwhile, Vice President Mike Pence's views are clear. As governor of Indiana, he pushed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which allowed businesses the right to refuse services to LGBTQ people. In addition, Pence's crusade against Planned Parenthood his opposition of needle exchange programs, and his documented desire to divert money intended for HIV prevention to organizations providing conversion therapy led to an outbreak of HIV in Scott County. He has also said that gay couples signal societal collapse, opposed a law that would prohibit workplace discrimination against LGBTQ people, rejected a directive that would allow transgender students to use the bathroom of the gender they identify with, opposed the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and more. In February of 2016, Justice Antonin Scalia died, leaving an empty seat on the Supreme Court. Following his death, Senate Republicans vowed to block President Obama's Supreme Court nomination until a new president took office. President Trump's Supreme Court pick, Neil Gorsuch, has already taken an extremely anti-LGBTQ stance. Gorsuch made clear in his 2004 philosophy dissertation for Oxford University that he did not believe the Constitution protected the right for same-sex couples to marry. It's unclear whether or not his opinions have changed over time. Rumors have been flying for months that Justice Kennedy, so often the court's most influential swing vote, will retire in the coming year. If Kennedy retires, President Trump will be able to nominate another judge for the Supreme Court and could very well nominate a more conservative judge. This could mean decades of conservative domination in the nation's highest court, a nightmare for LGBTQ individuals whose rights could be severely threatened. Right now, things are not looking good for the future of the LGBTQ community under the Trump administration. Looking at the views of these leaders, we can expect attacks on our rights to become more common, We will almost certainly see attempts from this administration to push us back into silence, back into our closets. But I know the LGBTQ community. I know we will not tolerate these attacks. 
We will fight tooth and nail to keep everything that we have won through decades of relentless activism. The last year has been full of surprises and shocking political developments. It has been full of scandal and controversy. The year ahead of us will likely be the same. We cannot get tired. We cannot stop fighting for each other. If the world seems to forget us the way they have forgotten the victims of Pulse, then we must do what we have always done and continue to defend this community. And we must continue to demand equality for every member of the community. Thanks for listening to Outcasting Overtime, a special feature from Outcasting, public radio's LGBTQ youth program. Outcasting is heard online at outcastingmedia.org, on iTunes, and on more than 50 public radio stations around the country. Outcasting Overtime is a production of Media for the Public Good, a nonprofit organization. Visit us at outcastingmedia.org to get information about outcasting, make your tax-deductible donation, watch outcasting videos, access our social media links, and listen to the show. Thanks, and thanks for listening.